0: As you can see, the second chapter of the book of Ezra uh, contains a register of all of the people who returned from Babylon under the leadership of Zerubbabel, uh, the prince of Judah, and Joshua, the high priest of Israel. Chapter one, as we have discovered, deals with the release of the people have mentioned this quite often the proclamation made by cyrus the king allowing the people to return again to the homeland and the second chapter deals with the registration of the people as mentioned before this is the first of two returns of the exiles and this first return is dealt with in chapters one through six and from this register of all those who returned (laughs) Under its we note just a few things. I trust there'll be a few things to encourage us all as the people of God. Keep in mind uh, that word from Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Isn't that a good thought? The Lord knoweth them that are his. Now, in the first place, the Lord knows the number of his people. Now it's very really clear to me that this chapter, from this chapter, that God has his records. This is a record of certain names. He has a book of remembrance. I'm sure you've read through Malachi on occasions. Malachi 3:16 talks about the book of remembrance, and the time will come when these books will be opened. I just read today in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, talks there about. The great white throne, great throne. It's a white throne, purity. It's God's throne. And we're told on that particular day the books were opened. And so God has a record of all things. One day the record books will be opened when we appear before him uh, in heaven. Now, this register of return of the returning captives under Zerubbabel is given again in nehemiah chapter 7 take my word for it now but you can check it out later on uh, when you go home chapter 7 of the book of nehemiah now when these two passages are compared certain differences will be observed but while the classifications differ the results are the same Because we read about 42,360 names, people who returned. And the one register confirms the other. So it's Ezra chapter 2, verse 64, and then Nehemiah 7, verse 66. And when we examine the numbers of families of those who returned, not including uh, the priests, and the Levites and the special groups, it will be found that Ezra's total list of people in these families is twenty-nine thousand eight hundred and eighteen. While in Nehemiah it is thirty-one thousand and eighty-nine. And people might say, Ah, here's a here's a fault, this is not inspired. However, it will be found that there are four hundred and ninety-four persons mentioned in Ezra's list who are not on Nehemiah's list. And there are 1,765 persons mentioned in Nehemiah's list who are not in Ezra's list. But when we add Nehemiah's surplus to Ezra's list and Ezra's surplus to Nehemiah's list, the exact same number is found, 31,583. Maybe that information has been boring. But God took the time to write it in his Bible because he wants us to be taught a very important lesson, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Even in the numbering, taking the time to think about these things, God is teaching us a lesson. Now, this kind of detail is interesting and important for it indicates that God has an exact number of all those who belong to his. The Lord knoweth them that are his. He knows the full tally of all those true redeemed souls who will find a place in the Father's house. Now I've mentioned this before. I, I love to think of the scene of Peter fishing there on the Sea of Galilee. He casts out the net. He's a big burly Galilean fisherman. He casts out the net into the sea. And then with great strength he draws that net to the shore, and he finds in that net one hundred and fifty-three fish. And there is a a gospel application. We can see Peter uh, as a preacher, as a minister, as a missionary, as a servant of God, casting out the gospel net into the sea of this world, and in the providence of God, 153 fish were drawn into that net and when it was drawn to the shore they were counted, they were all there and so we see when the preaching of the gospel goes forth, the gospel net is cast out and God in his grace and mercy draws fish into the gospel net, the way he drew you me, there was a time I never had any thought for the things of God but then one night or one day something wonderful happened we sensed the drawing power of God and before we knew it We were caught up in the gospel net, and the end is not yet, and the best is still to be. Praise the Lord. So the Lord knows all who are in the gospel net. Uh, Just the way he knew there were eight souls in the ark, and we all know that the ark is a type of Christ, and these eight souls were in Christ, and the Lord knew all about the tally, the total. They belonged unto him. And so we have this thought before us of of the numbers of the people of God. The Lord knows everyone who belongs to him, and he will never forget one of his saints. And in chapter 1 as well, I'm sure you can remember from the last time, even the the vessels are numbered. And Paul uses that very same term when describing the people of God. He calls them earthen vessels. So the Lord uh, has us doubly secure and sealed as vessels, then as individuals, as a list of names. And so when you add uh, the uh, number there in 65, you add the names, uh, the number of the servants and the maids and the singers to that number we have already quoted, 42,360, you just get under 50,000 people who returned. A very small number who returned, But then, you see, people who were carried into captivity, they settled down and they began to prosper in their captivity. And uh, some of them didn't want to have to leave the converts that they had gained and achieved in the Persian uh, Empire. So they said, okay, we're going to stay here. We're not going to have the bother of traveling away a thousand miles The dangers and everything else starting afresh when we get there. No, they said we'll stay here. That's the reason why only 50,000 returned home, a remnant uh, returned home. But don't forget this you've read about the book of Esther and you've read through the book of Esther. Well, there's a man called Haman and he took his wrath out upon who? The people who remained. So they didn't escape it, you see. They had to face that uh, fierceness of the, the wrath of Haman. So those who left to return, these 50,000, they may be able to face enemies, a long journey, and so on. But the people who remained, uh, they had prospered and everything else. But the time came when they were uh, under threat by Haman, and God overruled, of course, in the sovereign grace. So don't forget that. The people who stayed, they had to face trials and difficulties as well. So just under 50,000 returned. And then you can see how the Lord restores his people. Now, these are the children of the province that went up out of the captivity. Here there's the return. They're brought back to the land. There's the restoration. They came again unto Jerusalem. And that's how the Lord works in his mighty power. So you can think of the deportation, And then you think of their deliverance, think of their past, and now you think of their present. And the scene changes from Babylon uh, then to Jerusalem. And God is faithful to his people to discipline them for their sins and to restore them in his divine providence so that they might live according to his covenant. So there is not only a return to the land, but there's also a return to the Lord. So uh, we can take... uh, Encouragement from what we have here. When we sin, God dis- uh, disciplines us. It's a chastening. He wants to improve us and He restores us when we grow cold and indifferent. It's all there in the book of Ezra. And this is our experience as well. So the Lord knows the number of His people and then the Lord knows the names of His people. Uh, as I mentioned, there are many names of people mentioned here, especially the heads of the families. And from verse uh, 3 onwards, you will notice the uh, expression, the children of. Uh, It appears quite a number of times there. The children of. God is interested in the families of his people. Do you see that? The children of. You can look down through all of those verses. Nearly in every verse, the children of. The Lord is interested in the families and then uh, you find that the children are followed by a certain uh, individual's name. Now, the first one on the list is a man called Parosh. You know what that word means? That means fleeing. It's significant that he's the first on the list. Was this not a company fleeing out of the midst of Babylon? Yes, they were released. The proclamation uh, had been declared, but they were fleeing out of Babylon is this not a picture of the child of God on a flight from the world to the land of promise we're fleeing from the world behind us and our is set upon the father's house before us then in verse 2 uh, there's a man called Shephatiah there in that uh, verse and his name means Jehovah's judge and then there's a man there mentioned in verse 3 Era. A-R-A-H signifying a wayfaring man and God's people are uh, wayfarers traveling to a better land leaving behind them the Babylon in this world and God will judge the Babylon of this world so we're fleeing from the city of destruction and we're fleeing to the heavenly father's house and God will deal with this uh, world that we live in in his own good time. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so we have a picture here of these people fleeing from Babylon and they are being led by Christ, their king priest. How do I get that? It's brought out in verse 2. You have the mention made of Zerubbabel and then you have the name Jeshua. Jeshua there in verse 2. They are frequently found together in the Bible. And uh, Zerubbabel was from Judah, and Joshua was from Levi. Uh, Joshua's name means uh, Jehovah as Savior, and Zerubbabel means begotten in Babylon or the seed of Babylon. Now, here's the deliverer, Zerubbabel. He was the one given the responsibility by the king to lead the people back and then to build the temple. And he was actually born in Babylon. He had to come and identify with the exiles in order to deliver them. He points us to Christ. We mentioned this the last time. And Christ came into a sin-cursed world. He was born in the sin-cursed world to identify himself with sinners for whom he would suffer on the cruel cross of Calvary to deliver them from their bondage. So that's another little thought about Sir Christ is here again. And he's here represented in um, Joshua jesus as savior and these two men serve together as ezra informs us and then when you read through Haggai and zechariah you read about these men and then then there's a combination of uh, the royal and priestly lines of christ so here is again a pointer to christ everything in this book points to christ you see and when we get our eyes focused upon him, we will be truly blessed. Christ is the king priest on the throne who builds his temple by leading his people out of the Babylon of this world. So here's the gospel, even in these chapters. And this chapter was so many names. And you find chapters like this uh, in Chronicles, First Chronicles, the first maybe 10 chapters are full of names. It would be more than that, name after name. But you get a gem somewhere in the middle of the chapter and here we have gems before us tonight even in the mention of these names now i just want to say a word about the man nehemiah mentioned there in verse two that's not our hero in the next book who comes on the scene a number of years later that's not him at all this nehemiah is only mentioned here nowhere else it's not related to the other nehemiah just to clear that matter up for you but if he lived up to his the meaning of his name what a help he must have been on the long journey home because the name Nehemiah means Jehovah is comfort or the Lord's encourager oh, it's always good to get an encouragement in the word of God you know uh, maybe we don't encourage one another enough but well, he was a man if he lived up to his name and that's another thing living up to her name he was an encouragement during that thousand mile journey Back to the promised land. It's always good to be encouraged. Be an encourager. Barnabas was a good man. He was an encourager of his brethren. Don't run one another down or discourage one another. Lift the brother and sister up who may be going through a difficult time that you know nothing about. We can pass judgment upon them, but it would be good to be an encouragement to them. We all need encouragement in the service of the Lord. What a blessing he must have been. The church always needs people of this caliber in the work. Now, there's a man called Mordecai mentioned there in verse 2. But that isn't Esther's cousin because he remained in Persia, you see. He didn't return. He remained in Persia when the Jews migrated to the homeland. And God had a purpose for him. God wanted him to stay there. You read the book of Esther and you read the part that he played. And how God exalted him in due course. Remember, Haman uh, wanted to get him. And he thought he had him. The king said, what would you do to a man that uh, does a great favor uh, to a person? And, and Haman thought he was speaking about him. And he told the king what he should do. I, I can see Haman standing there and he's getting all excited. I'm going to get promoted. This, The king is going to give me all these things. And then... The color drained from his cheeks when the king turned and said, Go and get Mordecai and do these things that you have suggested to him. Let him ride through the street. Let him be worshipped and adored. And no wonder Haman went home and he climbed up into the billows billows that he had uh, uh, made for uh, Mordecai and he hanged himself. Very met his fate. Met his fate. So this Mordecai is not Esther's cousin. Uh, he remained uh, and uh, while all our people returned because God had a purpose for him there. And the amazing thing about it is God has a purpose for us all. Is a place for us all to be, place for us all to work and labour for him. We're not all the same, aren't we? God we're not all the same. We're all different personalities. Different ways to deal with crises and situations. It would be a boring place if we were all the same. It's the same with preachers. Every preacher is different. And we all have a place in the work of God. And we use our talents to the best of our ability. Some may be greater than others. But the point is, God is a place for us all, great or small. And we've just got to discover where God would have us to be. And then the uh, Tershatha is mentioned there in verse 63. That's just the governor. And we know that Zerubbabel, he uh, was the governor at this time. In Nehemiah chapters, uh, chapter 8, uh, you read about Nehemiah in his day. He, he was the governor of the city. So well, we can see these things. These are just a few things I wanted to point out. But the thing is, the Lord knows the names of his people. All these lists of names. And then finally, the Lord knows the needs of his people. Now, you will notice uh, in this register is a special group, and special groups are significant here uh, with regard to the spiritual life of, of the, the people who returned, uh, the, spirit, the well-being of the congregation. In verses 1 and 2, you have the leaders. Uh, then in verses 3 through 19, certain families. And then, verses 20 through 35, certain towns. There's people from Bethlehem there. And there's people from Jericho there. And uh, Hei and so on. And then you come to verses 36 through 39. You have the priests mentioned there. Verse 39. The priests, 36 to 39. So, what do the priests do? There's an emphasis here upon the sacrifice and supplication of the priests. And by the way, there were 4,289 priests, about a tenth of the entire assembly. And we need the priestly ministry of Christ every day. So God was meeting the needs of his people by sending the priests to minister in the sacrifices, pointing the people to Christ, setting before them the sacrifice of the Lamb and The supplication for the people of God. We need to be reminded every day of the sacrifice of Christ, his intercession in heaven. Then you have the Levites in verses 40 to 42, and the emphasis here is upon service. The Levites were appointed under the law of Moses to assist the priests. But the remarkable thing that I see here is there was only seventy-four of them. Sometimes when it comes to service and the work you get few people who volunteer for the work. There's only 74 here. They had no inheritance in the land themselves. They didn't get property. They didn't get land. They were given cities to live in. Uh, so they had to depend uh, for support on the people. That was how they lived, by the gifts of the people. The Lord was their portion. Now, it took genuine faith them to go to Jerusalem when they were so little resources among the people. And this explains their fewness. And so it took great courage for them to step out, but they wanted to serve God, these 74 priests, Levites. They wanted to serve God. They wanted to assist the priests. And so they set forth, counting on God's gracious provision and resources. And that's the way it is in the service of God. We've got to depend upon his daily resources. And then the singers were there in verse uh, 41. The emphasis is on song. The children of Asaph, uh, who was one of the leaders uh, of God's praise under David and, and Solomon. Now, there may not have been a lot outwardly in which to rejoice in. But at least they could rejoice in this. They could praise God for their liberty from Babylon. They could praise God because they had been redeemed and liberated. And you know, we might find ourselves going through difficult times and deep waters, and we may think to ourselves, there's not a lot to be thankful for at this point of time. Nobody just knows how bad it is in my life and my experience. But there's one thing we're sure of we've been redeemed, we've been saved from hell. Our sins are under the blood. And we have a cause to be glad and to be thankful to the Lord for his goodness and his mercy. Then there's the porters were there, verse 42. The, gate, the gatekeepers. That was their responsibility and the focus here is upon security. These porters were needed to keep the doors of God's house. How they to keep the house of God. Keep the three thieves and the robbers out and uh, watch the gates of the city, of the rebuilt city. So we can see how God secures his people through the high priestly ministry of Christ, through the sacrifice of the Lamb. And we are to be rejoicing people. And other people are mentioned here. We don't know a lot about them. Uh, The Nethanims, they're mentioned there. We don't know a lot about them, but apparently uh, the name means given or dedicated ones, and they were to assist the Levites. Maybe in the more menial task, somebody has to do the locking up of the church, the opening up of the church, switching on the power and tidying up and all that kind of stuff. The preacher, he gets up in the pulpit; but he's got the, the great job up in the pulpit. but everybody's watching him and nobody sees me going to clean the corridor or clean the window or fix the roof. You know, somebody has to do it. That's maybe the more menial task, but it is an important task, very important for the testimony of the church so we all have our own niche in the work with different talents and different abilities uh, but if we can help out just like these people that's really what it takes and sometimes something very little can make the difference to someone who's involved in that particular thing they need encouragement as well we dare not leave it just to, to some few uh, we should all work together as a congregation to ease the burden it's the Lord's work you know It's not my work. It's not the elder's work. It's the Lord's work. It's God's house. It's the service of God. And we should be going the second mile in everything that we do. The prayer meeting is for the benefit of the church. Your benefit. Presence of Christ in the place of prayer when we come to meet with him. This is serious stuff. We've come to meet with him. Not necessarily to listen to a preacher come to worship God and get into the spirit of prayer and pray down the blessing of God for the preachers when they come on a Sunday to minister the word that they may have freshness and power and enabling and liberty so we have an encouragement even from this register we consider certain things the Lord knows all things pertaining to us he knows our travels he knows our trials along the way and life He knows the tasks given us to perform. Yes, he knows our names, he knows our numbers, and he knows our needs. So, from this chapter of awkward and difficult names to pronounce, we learn something of what we have in Christ, our great Redeemer and our Savior. We'll bow for prayer, please, and we'll seek the Lord together. Please, Keep our prayer short tonight again to the point. And let as many as possible join in for prayer. It will make the difference in the prayer meeting. Men and woman, join in tonight. Let's all seek the Lord. I'll ask our brother Jim Stewart if he would lead us.